Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. One of the uh, clear evidences, one of the primary clear evidences uh, that there is a God is that justice matters. Um, that, it, that isn't something that you just get uh, if this all just happened and there's no God, uh, that people are created in the image and likeness of. Justice wouldn't matter to us. Uh, things that are wrong wouldn't bother us because it wouldn't matter. But it does matter because we are created in God's image and likeness. So we are so grateful uh, for Dr. King and we are so grateful for uh, just that sense of justice, uh, not only in his life, but in all of us, that God puts that. And we just pray that we would all awaken uh, to whatever God is trying to awaken us to when it comes to issues of justice and so much more. Uh, Anyway, this morning, Claire had mentioned and the team has done, I think, a beautiful job of bringing us to this moment of uh, talking about God's goodness. Um, I, I, I think first blush when we talk about God's goodness, for a lot of us, it's kind of a, yeah, well, God is good. Uh, but I, I think that this is at its core one of the biggest uh, foundational principles of the gospel and of our faith uh, that is under attack. Uh, it's interesting because uh, there is kind of a spirit in the world, uh, and it even affects the church, uh, that says that God is maybe not good. Um, and there is a belief in general, and if we're not careful and we're not certain that God is good ourselves, we're not paying enough attention to God's goodness. Uh, we live from a reality that it affects everything. It really is foundational. It starts to affect everything that we do when it comes to our faith. It affects our confidence in God. It affects the way we will step out into uncharted waters. It affects personally uh, things that we're dreaming about, but it'll cause us to maybe uh, stay back because if you're not sure that God is good and that God is on your side... Uh, and you start to think that God is out there trying to punish you or punish me or punish others, almost like uh, some people, they have a theology where God literally could be accused of child abuse. Some people just, they, you know, that, that we are all God's children and we're just out here and God's okay uh, with us being torn up. Uh, that is not the God that I serve. It's not the God that you're serving and that I want to try to help us go back to some clear thinking when it comes to this. Um, this is a foundational faith matter, um, that God is good. I love what uh, Bill Johnson says. He says, my faith can only go where I have an understanding of God's goodness. God's goodness then becomes real estate that I live on and I explore freely. Let me say it one more time. My faith can only go where I have an understanding of God's goodness and that his goodness, God's goodness, then becomes a real estate that I live on and I explore freely. So under this, there's so much we could talk about when it comes to God's goodness. I want to talk to you about three primary things uh, that manifest uh, foundationally when it comes to God's goodness. Uh, the three things are simply that God, uh, is, God is with us. God is for us, and God exceeds our expectations. So just say that after me. God is for us. God is with us. Well, I'm sorry, I'm saying something different than the slide. Let's say the slide. God is with you. God is for you. And God exceeds your expectations. 
So if we can root our faith, and some of us, we look at that and we think, well, I, I know my faith is rooted in that. Uh, well, I, I hope that we'll all get that bolstered if it is the way that we're looking at it today, that God is good. Claire mentioned the ride that we had with the young woman um, and, and that she was looking for a church that believed in God's goodness. Imagine that. Somebody would drive across the country to find a place that believed in God's goodness. And some of us are almost shocked by that thought. But there is a hunger in all of us to experience the goodness of God. David said it this way in Psalm 27. He said, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then some of us are familiar with uh, the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18. This is what the rich young ruler says. He says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, asking Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Now, some people use this actually this verse of scripture to say that Jesus is not God, but Jesus is actually saying he is God here because you're just reading it improperly. Jesus says to the rich young ruler, he's clearing things up for him essentially right at the beginning of the parable uh, because uh, those of you that are familiar with the parable, the rich young ruler ultimately walks away sad because he won't do what Jesus invites him to do, which is give away his wealth to the poor. But that's a whole other story we're not going to get into today. But a certain rich young ruler, other versions say, asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Right away, Jesus is asking him, why are you calling me good? Because Jesus understands right away at a foundational level, if you understand I'm good, your trust level for me and what I'm about to ask you to do and to live into is going to be okay. And then he says to him, if you call me good, no one's good but God alone. So what Jesus really is saying is, I'm God. And if you agree with the fact that I'm God and I'm good, then you're going to agree with what I'm about to ask you to do, which really is the sadness because the rich young ruler, what really happens is ultimately he cannot trust the goodness of God. He cannot trust in the goodness of Jesus, even though he says Jesus is good. Because if we don't really at our core believe that God is good, that God is on our side, that God is with us, we begin to back down. Anyway, um, I love a few of these quotes we have. Krista Black Gifford says this. She says, if you are not anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. In other words, what happens is we go through pain and our theology around God's goodness, we begin to forfeit it. If you are not anchored in the goodness of God, see, if, if we're anchored in the goodness of God and we trust that he's with us and we, we trust that God is always for us and we trust that if anything, God is just going to go beyond our expectations, that we can trust that, then we can live no matter what happens in our life, no matter what kind of turmoil comes our way, no matter what we see on the news, no matter what is going on in the political realm, no matter what any of that other stuff, the chaos that's going on, if I am anchored in the goodness of God, I can live from a strong position of faith. Tozer says it this way, 
Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. In other words, when you think about God, if you think that God is good, if that's how God, uh, you, you receive God as good, that's the way you just enter, that enters your mind. When you begin to think about God, you come from that position, you're going to be in a powerful position. If you come from a place where you're thinking, God is not good, God, I can't be trusted, I don't know what he's going to do, I don't know what God's going to do, that becomes troublesome. And our own Claire says it this way, she says, if you are looking for evil or the devil, oh, you'll find it. But if you're looking for good, God, you'll find God too. Choose wisely, grasshopper, paraphrase Claire. Anyway, so evidences of God's goodness first... God really is with us. God is with us. The scripture says in Proverbs 18 that God sticks closer to us than a brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. So some of us read this scripture and you've got lousy brothers, so you don't like it. You're like, well, that doesn't really mean a lot to me. Let me tell you from a person who has great brothers. I've got an amazing brother that I lived the first 18 years of my life in the same bedroom with, so I must think he's pretty cool. Anyway, when I have an amazing brother, and if you can have a relationship with God where you know, I know, I know at the core of my being, and I've lived into this, where my brother, Sean, has, has literally given his life for me multiple times over. He, in different ways, in, in different, I could go through example after example, The scripture is clearly, it clearly states that there is this relationship with God, that at the deepest relationships of life, outside of my wife, my brother is probably closer to me, maybe my kids. When it comes to the deepest relationships we have in in the world, the best of the world that the world has to offer, what the scripture says, the person you could trust with at at the greatest level does not even scratch the surface as to how much you can understand that God is with you. See, I know my brother is with me. I know until either my last breath or his last breath, he's with me. But Jesus here, God is saying that you can count on God to be even closer than that. God is with us. God is with us in the present. Jesus himself said, surely I will be with you always. It was a promise, a clear promise of Jesus that he would be with us always. Always in the Greek means always. It means right now. It means yesterday. It means all of your tomorrows. It means all of your eternity. Jesus said he would be with you always. God is with us in this present on this day. No matter how hard your life might be, God is with you and that God is with you and I in our pain. It it was Jesus that said, I will pray to the Father and he shall give you a comforter. This is the uniqueness of the Godhead. See, some of us don't really understand this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The promise of God being a comfort to us in the midst of pain is 
clear evidence that God is with us. There is no other proclaimed deity in history or throughout humanity. There's no other world religion that could ever make the claim that the actual God of the religion actually comes into the midst of a person's pain. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, blessed are you when you mourn because you will be comforted. I am with you. When you go through things that are devastating and tragic and hard and lost, chaotic, and you don't know, you are spiraling, broken relationships, people dying too early, whatever it might be, God says, I will join you there. I am always with you and I meet you in your pain. God is with us in our pain. Lewis said it this way. Lewis says that in in the problem with pain, he just simply said, God seems to whisper in our pleasure, but speak loud and clearly in our pain. God promises a comforter, the spirit that meets us in our pain, and God is with us in power. Jesus said, but you will receive power. Everyone say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. One of my first power encounters with God was in the pickup truck. I was apprenticing as an electrician, and I would be driving off to work. And as I was driving off to work, I had like this routine. I'd get in my car, and every day I would, I would just be considering uh, my day. I'd be considering the people that I was about to interact with. I'd begin to pray for everybody that I knew I would be around that day, the people I was working with. Pray for things like their salvation or God's goodness to visit them that somehow I could participate in that. And then worship, just begin to sing about the goodness of God in my truck. And then I would begin to have these encounters of it was as if God was literally in the truck with me. And the power of God's presence would flood that truck. I'll never forget it. And I long for it every week that I have the responsibility to be up here on Sunday morning. One of the things that I do every time I did it last night, I do not go to bed on Saturday night until I feel the power of God touch my life. God promises that he will give you power, that it will manifest in different ways, that he won't leave us as orphans, but he brings us power And he also, God is with us in possibilities. Mary said it this way, for with God, nothing is impossible. Shortly after she's told that she is going to be bearing the son of God, that she's she's this person who's a virgin and she had to be swirling with the impossibilities and the, the harshness of that situation in so many ways. And she makes this proclamation, nothing is impossible for God. God is with you and God is with me in our possibilities. I ask you even this morning, just hold for a moment. Hold your big idea. We're starting out a new year. Some of us have fresh vision fresh dreams, maybe there's, maybe there's a concern that you have, 
Maybe this is a season for you that you feel like there's chaos, but you, for some there's hopes and there's desires, or for some in this room there's healing that you're hoping for, or restoration in your relational world, or advancement in your career, or in, your, or in the work that you put your hands to. Advancement some way, increase, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for some sort of breakthrough. You're hoping for some sort of creative or prophetic idea that can lead you into this new place in your life. God is with you and God is with me in the possibilities. God is with us. Have you ever thought, just thought about that, just applied that thinking that Mary applied to her situation? Just to be with your dream that you sense God has, has birthed in your life, for instance, And just be with that and think, all things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible. There is no restoration impossible right now in my life. There's no healing that is impossible because God is with me. There's no dream that I have or desire that God has birthed in me that is impossible because God is with me. And out of that place of just sitting, one of the reasons we worship together on Sundays is it's for us to come to this place. A part of it is to just say, everything is possible. God is with us corporately. We worship because we believe that God, the God of possibilities that is with us, can change and bring our dreams to fruition. N.T. Wright says this, he says, you become like what you worship. And when you gaze in awe and admiration and wonder at something or someone, you begin to take on something of the character of the object that you worship. So God is with us. And also know that God is for us. God is for you. In ways that we're not even aware of or that in ways that we don't even see. There's a woman, her name is Vanetta Flowers. Vanetta Flowers had a dream as a little girl. She noticed and her parents noticed that she was a really fast runner when she was a little girl. She began to dream about one day being an Olympic athlete. She wanted to be in the Olympics, and she began early on to train uh, to, to one day accomplish that. At 22 years old, finally, she was able to compete. She competed in for, to, to try out in the trials for the Olympic Games. She competed in two different events, the 100 meters, and she also competed in the long jump. But in this one in particular, she thought she was going to make it in the 100 meters, and just by a fraction of a second, missed out on, on being able to compete in the Olympic Games. It was a big blow to her. It was discouraging, but she came close enough that she thought, if I train four more years, certainly by the time I'm 26 and I can do this trial again, I'll make it. And she trained, she said, harder than she had ever trained in her life. She trained for the 100 meters and she trained for the long jump. She continued her workouts, her dieting, taking care of her body in a way like she had never up to that point. For four years, the early wake-up, she said she was in the best shape she ever was. 
And then finally, she came to the place where they wanted her to try out for the long jump in this trial, and she tried it and once again missed out. For 17 years, she had been training. For 17 years, she had given everything about her life to this goal that she had, and she actually believed that God had given her this goal. She was devastated. She thought, it's over. Maybe I just heard God wrong. Maybe God wasn't with me in the midst of this. Maybe God really wasn't for this dream. It'll never happen. Now, it wasn't too long after that that her husband went into a gym and noticed a sign on the wall. And the sign said, you can continue your Olympic dream by trying out for the bobsled team. And he went home and he told Vanetta, he said, you can try out for the bobsled team. She didn't even know what bobsleds were. She got curious about it. They said there were really only two requirements to trying out. You had to be able to sprint well, and you had to be able to jump long. So she tried out, and she made quick work of being one of the best bobsledders in the world. And in 2002, Vanetta Flowers became the first black person in the world to ever win a gold medal in the Winter Olympics. Yeah. So maybe you've trained, maybe you've worked, maybe you've done your best, maybe you had this hope and you thought God was leading you into something and nothing has seemed to be happening and there's the voices, your own voice that says, stop wasting your time, just give up. Know this, that God is for you, whatever you're training for, whatever you've been working at, that God is for you. God is always up to something in your life and mine. God is always at work. God is on our side. God's kingdom will come in your life. God's kingdom will come in my life so long as we continue to press into God. What God promises, God will bring to pass when we make ourselves available to his dreams in our lives, which lead to the last thing, that God exceeds our expectations. See, what happens to us, because we want to, when we begin to back down from the goodness of God in our life, we begin to kind of hedge our bets, and our hopes begin, our expectations begin to be tempered and measured. We limit them. We start to hold back on them. And we begin to hope and expect for the ordinary. That's all we're hoping for. Just give me the ordinary. That would be better than devastation. But God is up to extraordinary things. There was a guy in the book of Acts, chapter 3, the scripture said for 40 years, later on it says for 40 years, this guy had been basically brought out by his family, set down at the gate beautiful, which was the entryway to the temple where people would go to worship. And the hour of prayer, they would set him there. And for 40 years, what he would do is he would just beg for money. That's how he was making his living. The scripture says this, it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting, everyone say expecting, 
expecting to receive something from them. What he was expecting to receive was maybe, in our language, a quarter or maybe a dollar on a good day, just a little bit of change, and he holds out his purse or whatever. He was collecting money and expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, I have no silver, no gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. On a day when his expectation was ordinary, all he was expecting was just maybe lunch money. God had a different plan. He was going to exceed his expectations. Like at the wedding of Cana where all they wanted was a few more bottles of wine. And Jesus starts to give them tens of literally hundreds of gallons of wine. Or how about in the Old Testament where the widow's oil runs out and Elisha Elisha the prophet says, go and get all the containers you have. Just get all the containers you can find in the neighborhood. She's going getting Tupperware from all of the neighbors, filling them up till there's no Tupperware left because God always goes beyond our expectations. God is good to us. God exceeds our expectations. You remember the disciples, been out all night, tired of fishing, and then this person who has no expertise in fishing, his name is Jesus. And he says, go try this method. And before they know it, their boats, not just one boat, but two boats are sinking with fish. We bring our ordinary thimble to God, and he's got a truckload in store because God is good. I remember it was about, it's probably about 18 months, two years before this church was planted. Claire and I did have church planting kind of in our heart. But this was not even on the radar. We did not have, I was, I was doing electrical work. Claire and I were uh, uh, like lay pastors in the church we were in. We weren't really paid staff. At, well, we weren't paid staff. So working as an electrician and we were praying because we were trying to get our lives. We were expecting God to do something in us and through us when it came to church planning. One of the things that we were trying to do is just get our lives in order financially. That was one of the things. And I remember we would pray. It's like, God, you know, we, if you, if you could give us a raise, that would be great. If I could get a raise at work or, you know, God, if you could bless us. And we would pray for things like, you know, the Israelites, they walk through the desert for 40 years and the scripture says their sandals weren't wearing out. Anything you can do like that, you know, we, we would appreciate God because we're trying to be positioned to take huge amounts of pay cut to do what you're inviting us to do. We believe that. And I'll never forget early on, I had a diesel truck. It was a pickup truck. And my boss, he called me aside and uh, the company I was working for, the research and development company, they were, they were eliminating the fuel oil tanks because we would heat these big baths of chemicals and we did like metal pretreats and stuff. Anyway, they were getting rid of the fuel oil and they were going to natural gas. So they had like 20,000 gallons of fuel oil underground that they had to pay somebody to come. It was great. There was nothing wrong with it. They had to pay somebody to come and get it. My boss said, hey, Scott, you've got a diesel truck. Would you like any of that fuel oil? I said, I'll take all you have. 
whatever I can fit in my garage. And our garage, I'm sure, I, I'm sure the statute of limitations is over, but it had to be an illegal explosion site. We had 55-gallon drums. He just kept giving me drums. We'd go at the end of the day, a couple guys I worked with, we would just empty out the fuel tank, 55 gallons, 110 gallons, three tanks at a time, throw them in the back of my diesel truck, bring it home. The, our garage was full of 55-gallon drums, full. I didn't buy gas. I didn't buy diesel fuel for a couple of years. You know when it ran out? It ran out about the time that we showed up here. See, because I was expecting that maybe God would give me another dollar an hour, but God had different plans. God brings oil beyond your expectation. God brings blessing in ways that you can't consider in remarkable ways that make a way for the dream that God has for your life. God is for you. God is with you. And our expectations, your expectations and mine, are way undersized for the God we serve. And as we stand, let me read you this scripture that it says in Ephesians 3.20. It says this, Now to him, the God that is so good, who is able to do immeasurably more than you and I ask for, imagine, according to the power that is working within us. Amen. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Claire mentioned that we're going to go into a spiritual we're going to be going into a spiritual warfare series. And we talked about this. We said, we, we have to get this down. What a dangerous thing to launch out into without first us having this deep reminder that God is good. God is with us. God is for us. And God's going to do things beyond our expectations. So um, if you all know the, 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 uh, the new wardrobe that we're talking about begins with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, holding up the shield of faith in one hand and the sword, which is the word of God in the other, and our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is the armor that that we, um, we read about in the Bible. But what we're being asked to do is actually take up the weapon of God's goodness first. And that when we go into these, um, when we go into these next parts of warfare, this is Kirsten, everybody, in case you didn't know, that's our youngest granddaughter. Um, and so what we know is that we've got to have God's goodness in place first. Before you ever try to use the word of God, you better know God is good. You know, I, we had one person leave the church one time because they said we didn't preach enough about the wrath of God. I said, well, I am sure there's another church where you can get that message. I, and, I, and if that's what you're looking for, I just take a trip, you know, around and you'll find that. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, is what the Bible says. We've got spiritual warfare to do. I don't know if some of you have noticed that there's been things that, you know, when the darkness comes in, we're coming in 
with a whole nother brand of weaponry. And the weaponry begins with the goodness of God. So could we just pray in closing and say, God, help me. Help me believe in your goodness so that I can begin to even look at how to do spiritual warfare in my life. That if I am looking for freedom, that I would start right here. That I would not see you as punitive, that you're looking to punish me. I would not see you as shaming. I would not see you as as withholding any good thing from me. But I would believe in the goodness of God. So God, wherever we are on the trajectory, wherever we are on the timeline of believing in your goodness, can we move from here and understanding your goodness in ways that we never have? So God, would you prepare us for this next series? And would you help us to open up to the goodness of God at every moment? At every moment. When the lies of the enemy come in and tell us that we are rejectable or abandoned or liars or thieves or whatever the evil one would say, we're going to detoxify. We're going to take that out of our diet. We're going to remove that, and we're going to begin to put in the goodness of God. Every time we hear a lie from the evil one, we're going to put in the goodness of God. At every moment when something says something that is not true about us as children of God, we're going to detox. We're going to get rid of that part of our diet. We're not going to listen to that. We're going to listen to the goodness of God in Jesus' name. The one who loves us and gave himself up for us. And so, God, we're praying that this year we actually do have a good uh, New Year's resolution to have a better diet. The diet of goodness, the diet of grace, the diet of peace, the diet of wholeness, the diet of faith, the diet of hope, the diet of love. And that all other things we begin to eliminate from our diet. In Jesus' name. Let the goodness of God follow our friends out of here. And even as we celebrate Dr. King tomorrow morning, let's remember how he saw the world. Mountains lowered, valleys lifted, and the glory of God being revealed. Let's remember, God. Let's remember. Remind us tomorrow when we wake up and on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Let this be a year of power for us in ways that we've never known before. I want our church to be known for laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover because they are not willing to believe the lie that you are not good. I pray, God, that this church would be a church that would be open to receiving gifts of exhortation and prophecy, that we'd be able to hear the words of God and give them to one another. That, God, that the Spirit of God would pour out on us in ways we've never known before. In purity, in pulse, in power, and with the wisdom of God. I'm praying, God, that there would be fresh infillings of your Spirit throughout our church. That based on the goodness of God, that you're releasing your gifts in ways that build up and don't tear down. And that, God, we'll see miracles. We'll see diesel fuel cans overflowing. That people will experience your provision in ways they could never have imagined. That they thought all they needed was a promotion, but you did above and beyond that. God, that they thought all they needed was a judge to say the right thing, and you do above and beyond that. And so, God, we're praying. We're praying for release this year. 
And we're praying, God, that we become the kind of people that carry this message, that mountains get lowered and valleys get raised and the glory of God will be revealed. And that we'd learn to be bold in our faith. That we would not shrink back. That we would not shrink back that while we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, they're telling us to press on to the mark of the high calling of our God. And so God, let that high calling be the impetus. Let that high calling be the fire within us. Let that high calling be the energy that moves us forward. And God, help us open up the Bible. Start reading and start professing and start taking land. Start taking land that you have that's good for us. Let us be people who wake up and pray and not moan. Pray and not get on social media. Pray and not look at the news. God, make us a people that remember that the power is here in praying to the God who is able, the God who is good, the God who empowers. And God, we're praying now that we actually would let our head hit the pillow at night saying thank you. And our feet hit the ground in the morning saying, here I come, Jesus. And that every workplace environment would hear the gospel, the good news through our voices. That the people who sit next to us would hear words of faith. That, our, that the people we live with would actually hear really good news from us. And God, we're holding our church in your presence. And we're asking for you to purify us. We're asking for you to empower us to do what we've been called to do for this generation. And it's in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who is filling us up even now. And everybody, just put your hand on the person next to you somewhere near you and just say God bless my friend with your goodness bless my friend with your goodness bless them with your goodness bless them with your goodness God let them believe the truth about who they are that you are good and you are in them and therefore they are good because you are in them and that the goodness of God will be seen in their lives just go ahead just begin to pray over this person Whether you're an out loud prayer or you're in a quiet prayer, just pray that they would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that they will see God's goodness poured out on them, that they would see wherever they go, the goodness is running after them, and God, that they would not believe anything else can catch them but the goodness of God, that no matter what else is pursuing, the goodness of God will overtake it. And so, God, we do. We bless our friends. We bless them spiritually, emotionally, financially. We're praying for breakthrough in every area of people's lives. Lest this even be a miracle week where they see some vat overflowing. They see some oil coming, some fish taking over the boat. God, let this be a miracle week. We're praying. We're praying, God, that there would be extraordinary miracles following our friends sales of land and and finished projects and promotions and blessings and blessings and blessings because you are good and then God when it happens let's not thank somebody let's thank the God who made it happen let's thank the God who is making all things new this year what's new God let it be our faith we pray and we bless our friends In Jesus' name. Everybody have a great 
great week. We love you.